Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Susan Solomon. She's an executive coach for women in tech and the men that they work with. She customized coaching plans for women in tech to optimize their potential and navigate a male-dominated industry. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about your journey and how you became an executive coach? Yes, it wasn't a straight path. It makes sense, but it was sort of circuitous. I grew up in a home where my parents did not really like people. So you see how far I've come. My mother was very, very shy. And my dad had had experiences in his life where he really wasn't patient with other people. So I grew up thinking I didn't like people. And then I had this aha moment. I had finished my PhD and I'd gotten a job in publishing and I was a sales rep. And I was in West Texas making some calls and I had a lot of fun with the clients that I was calling on. A lot of fun. I walked out and I remember thinking to myself, I really like people. And all the things I'd thought before sort of dissipated. I mean, this was the beginning, let's say, of my journey uh, into coaching. I moved, I was in publishing, moved up the ranks to become an executive editor. And I specialized in tech publishing, published a lot of bestsellers. At the time, I was living in Silicon Valley when Apple was in one building. That's how long ago I was living in Cupertino. After I worked my way up, in the publishing business, I decided to leave and I started my own business. I did consulting for former competitors. I did some training. So that worked well. I became a coach because one day I had somebody tell me, you'd be perfect as a coach. And I said, what is that? Because in those days, everybody thought coaching was, you know, basketball or whatever. And she said, well, I just read this article about companies in Silicon Valley where they have these young techie guys who really don't have social skills. So they hire coaches to train them how to be more social. Of course, that's not at all what coaching is, but it really intrigued me. So I did some research. At that time, there were only 10 coaching schools, and I found the one that fit me. I had uh, some pre-sessions and decided to enroll. It was an 18-month program, not at all what it is today, which is much, much quicker. I had to do 124 hours of in-class instruction. I had to coach with a number of master coaches who observed my coaching and gave me feedback, and another six months of self-coaching with other new coaches, and a whole day of exams, if you can believe it, including live coaching. So I went out into the world as a coach, and I started working with people, all different kinds of people. Most of them were always in business, although I did some personal coaching. And I've basically been coaching for over 21 years at this point. So I've really seen the industry grow and change. I am glad that, of course, that I became a coach, and I'm glad that my journey took me there. 
amazing story. So how can you harness your values to create your own leadership style? The way that you can harness your values is, first of all, to know your values. What are they? And remember, they change. You might have a value now about family that you didn't have when you were in your 20s. So you have to reevaluate your values every now and then to be sure. So if you... First, one way of doing it is if you know your purpose in life, if you think you do, and a lot of times people don't, or they think they have a purpose and then the purpose changes. But if you look at what you think your purpose in life is, therein lies your values. So if your purpose in life is to work with other people to create innovative things, that's what you really want to do. Well, your values can be sort of gleaned from that. You cherish interaction. You cherish sharing ideas with people, things like that. And I work with my clients to help them get a real grip on what their values are. And then what I do is we look at the values. Let's say, let's say I had a client who had a great value for developing people and helping them to blossom in their career and their personal lives. And so those values were very clear, but she wasn't actualizing all of those values in her leadership style. So we looked at everything she does with people, how she leads them, and sort of went back and found ways within that leadership style that she could introduce her values. For example, when she had one-on-ones with people, she always had a section where she checked in with them. How are you doing? How's your family? Whatever it is that would connect to help this person grow and also to build a lot of trust because people don't necessarily trust their bosses. And there's some really good reason for that sometimes because you have to be careful what you say to a boss. But what she tried to do was create a lot of, let's say, psychological safety when she had her teams. And it it started to really grow for her and benefit her. And she was happier because she was living her purpose. She was bleeding from her values. So the higher you climb in the corporate ladder, the less women are around you and you tend to work with a lot more men. How do you help women manage that? Well, first of all, I try to be very practical. I work with them to give them very specific things that they can do in a meeting on a day-to-day basis, as well as sort of the long-term. And and the caveat on all this is that there's only so much you can control. Uh, The business world today, there's many more men at the top than women in general, in certain industries, perhaps not, but certainly in tech. And women didn't get into tech for a while, so that can account for some of it. But the the culture of some of these companies really does tend to uh, look at the men differently. And the women aren't seen necessarily as leaders. And somewhere around their late 40s, early 50s, when most of the men are jumping to global or more executive positions, 
the women feel stuck. And I work with some women on that. So one way is to identify when you feel you're stuck. Another is to help them thrive in their job. For example, I found that women, the women who do succeed are the women, they have this way about them. They're not men. You don't have to change who you are. But they have this way that's, that really resonates for the men. In other words, they're not emotional. They have certain language that they stay away from. Emotions aren't bad. And men have emotions, but not as much as women. So in order to, you have to speak the language that they will refer, relate to, such as facts, what's the data. So an example, I had a client who goes to these meetings and she's the only woman in the room and the guys are talking about things. And, and she knows that some of the things they're talking about, she's done her research. She knows that this is not a good idea. So instead of maybe getting emotional inside, she has to manage her mindset and maybe say something like, you know, John, that's a really interesting idea that you have. In other words, she knows it's not based on fact. Tell me, I'd love to see the data on that. So it, it pulls her back into the fact language that men tend to talk about. She checks, she keeps her emotions in check. So these women have a certain way about them that's solid. It's still feminine, but it is without the emotion. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying there's a time and place. And since the culture in business is the way it is today, this is something women have to think about. So to have them move ahead and not get stuck, move up the ladder, they have to learn certain skills, certain mindsets and discipline themselves so that they will be seen as not so much a woman, but a valuable member of the team. So what are some of the top mistakes you see women make when they're navigating the male dominated industry? Well, there's a lot of them. And I think the women listening and even the men listening will recognize some of these. In fact, one of them is apologizing. I, if you notice women, they'll say, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. A man's not going to say that. A man's going to say, excuse me, and then start talking. I had a client this past week who's a male client who's really good with his, his women reports and I told him this because I'm trying to help him manage the women better and understand the way they think. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. This particular woman, she came in and she said, oh, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Do you have a minute? Where a man would come in and say, hey, need a minute. And so women are used to doing this. I think it comes from the role that we play, the way we've been dominated for centuries. And, and so I always tell my, my clients, sorry is not a word in your vocabulary. It has to go away. And they'll start noticing when they're going to do it, and they'll realize how much they're doing it. Another thing is women hold back. And I understand they're not as confident. They're in a room where it's all men. And they have to start to look at 
what they say and how they contribute. And different women respond differently to how they're going to speak up. But the critical thing, talk about moving up, is to be heard and to be heard in a way that's valued. And it's hard to just say to someone, well, just be confident and speak up. I just hate that when people say that. There's a big gap between where you are and where your confidence can be. And so I work with them on building their confidence. And basically, I call it not self-confidence, but self-trust. If you think about it like that, it's a much more enriched way to look at it. Women have to justify their actions. I, that's because we make excuses just sort of naturally. We feel that we have to because men have made us in a way, made us feel that we have to justify our actions. So that's something to be aware of. Another one is the idea that they have to change and not be who they are in order to move up. And that's not true. You can be who you are and move up as long as you are in your values and you're yourself. You know, the way that I coach is I don't talk to people about things on the outside, like to be a good leader, you should do this, this, this. I start on the inside of the person. We talk about the values, who they are, what's their culture, what things they enjoy doing, or what are the expectations in the countries where they live, or the people they manage. Once we figure that out in the inside, then we go to the outside of what to do. So we're human beings, we're not human doings. And we first figure out who we are, who we be, and then go out and apply that to what we do. And if you're authentic in that way, it's sustainable and people pick up on it and they build trust. So it's all about managing your mindset to be in your values and feel fulfilled what you're doing and it will come across naturally. You won't have to fake it. You may have to learn a little specific language, like we talked about apologizing, but once you get the hang of it, it's so much easier. So what's a better way to approach things than to justify your actions? What should we do instead? Well, if I say I, I, I went out and not just not do it, <laughs> just not justify. For example, if someone says, I decided to go out and do this and stop. You have to say, because I think it was a good idea. What do you guys think? You know, looking for validation and let them speak up and say, why did you do that? Then you explain. But to immediately jump into this role that women play of trying to justify what we do because we're used to that from centuries of doing that with men. It's not a good way to be perceived and not good to build your brand or to move up. It looks like you're uncertain of what you did. So what are some of your client success stories? Well, I'm a little immodest, I guess, with this, but all of my clients have had success in one way or another. If, if they're not having success, I give them their money back if they're not happy. So the ones, the clients that I have or who we up or who refer me want to do this and they apply themselves and we work together to create their success. So for example, I have one client who 
was working in Paris. She was Indian derivation or her background was Indian. And she was brilliant. She was brilliant, young, beautiful. When I say young, you know, it's relative, but in her late, late thirties, beautiful woman. And her boss was threatened by her. And of course, in the culture that she happened to be working in, which was Amazon, she, you have to have your boss's sort of endorsement to move up. And so she was figuring, trying to figure out how she could do that because he was very threatened. And she was at the same level. They give them numbers, levels at Amazon. And they were at the same level. And she was gunning for a level up. So we thought about different ways. But one day we talked about the fact that she met this man who was not just her skip level, but who was one level above that. She happened to meet him and and talk with him briefly after a meeting. So we decided that she was going to use that as a way to try to have 30 minutes of his time and go in and not so much ask him for what she wants, because these people at the higher level, they're asked for things all the time, money, favors, whatever it is. So she went in and the first thing we decided she would say was, you might think I'm just here to, for you to help me, but I'd like to know before we get started, how can I help you? I know I'm several levels down, but maybe there's still some way I can contribute to the information you have or something else. She said the guy just about fainted. He, he said he'd never been asked that from someone below, except maybe his immediate report. And it set the tone. She stood out. She would anyway with anything she talked about. And because of him, he talked to another person and got her into a situation where she could interview for a job, which meant a promotion to the next level and a move to New York, where she really wanted to go. What do you think has been your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? Well, first of all, I've always trusted my intuition from even as a young, say, teenager. I sort of get the feeling, I get a hit. I'm not saying I'm an empath, intuitive kind of person, but in you, when you look around, you see things, you observe behaviors or whatever. I've always had an intuition about something and I followed it. Every time I didn't follow it, of course it blew up in my face. It's one of these things where people say, you know, I knew he wasn't the right kind of boss to have, or I knew she wouldn't help me. I just had that feeling, but I went ahead anyway. Well, that feeling is intuition, and I've used it quite a bit, and men have it too. They say women's intuition, but everybody can develop that. Another thing is that I've always been curious about a lot of things. And what's happened to me over the years is that I become more curious about people. I read biographies. I want to understand how people got to where they are. And I also, a curiosity about why people think a different way, how you can work with a person who sees life just so differently and still respect each other's, you know, sometimes that doesn't happen, but at least I can always 
say, well, we're just, you know, we just disagree and that's okay. And I think the last thing is adventure. I didn't realize this until many, you know, several years ago. Uh, I left the home, my home, and I went to a women's college uh, several states away, not too adventurous. When I, when I graduated, I moved to New York City, didn't know anybody, had a job. And my father was from Brooklyn and sort of said to me, why do you want to live in that jungle? Well, to me, I thought it was an adventure. After a while of working there, I decided to go to grad school and I went to a university in England. I just picked up and left. Then I moved back into publishing. I was assigned a territory in Austin, Texas. So I went. Then I had an opportunity to get promoted. I chose the California opening. And I and then you know, I have picked up and just left for Europe two other times. And I've lived in Europe for in three countries. So for me, adventure, it's always the next thing that might come along that interests me. And I've kept a lot of intuition and adventure and curiosity in my life. And that's probably what's gotten me to where I am. Love that. So is there any piece of advice that you would give yourself when you first started out? Well, I think the things that I just said, that to keep those in mind and to to live by them is one thing. It's not to say I didn't make any mistakes. I think what I wasn't prepared for was that I would meet some amazing people through my journey as a coach and through life. But one of the things that I wasn't prepared for is that how many of those people lack confidence. And they, in various ways, and you wonder if you should have done something differently or you're afraid to do X, Y, Z. So if you really work with people, and I'm talking about senior level people who still have a lack of confidence in certain situations, it holds them back. And that surprised me. And that's where I work ultimately with the people I work with It's all about confidence, confidence in how you speak or how you act or whatever. It comes from inside. And I guess you could call me a confidence coach in a way, but I'm also a transformational coach because for me, the the beauty of what I do is to watch people transform, not because I worked with them, but because you see that transformation from, let's say, the first session to the fifth session to the 10th session and you see them grow. And I've grown a lot in my life, given my family background. And I've taught universities and I've seen students grow and learn and transform. So I guess that's the business I'm in as well as transformational growth and being a coach. If there's someone that's listening and they would love to work with you, what's the best way to, con- to contact you? Okay. I'm on LinkedIn, Susan Solomon, and my my address is Susan Solomon Executive Coach. That's how you can find me there. I also will offer a free one-hour coaching session to somebody who's serious about potentially hiring me as a coach. They would get to know me and see how I coach 
instead of me just explaining it to them. So, and when somebody said to me the other day, well, that means you're giving up all these hours. You can't afford to give up that, you know, potential income earning. And I, I said, you don't get it. You know, this is how I earn the income because people work with me for an hour and they see what value I can add to them. And then they want to work with me. And I don't need a, a zillion clients. I have fewer clients so I can give them the time they need. And can really be there for them. So it's the quality, not the quantity. I love that. And I'll make sure to put that link down below. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your journey and also your expertise. You are most welcome. Again, thank you for having me. Yes. And if you are listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful